This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Well, we're going to be uh, in several verses today. So um, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to go ahead and grab them and get ready to turn uh, throughout multiple passages, uh, mostly in the Psalms and probably the New Testament. Um, if you want to just take down notes even, um, the verses will be on the screen. Maybe you just want to jot down the reference and, and check back to them uh, throughout the week. Uh, the, the point of this, whole, of this message, the point of, of Easter, is that Jesus would be the center of it all. Like, I know that sounds cliche, um, but that is the point. That is the hope of, of Easter, of this message, of, of these songs, is that we will draw our hearts and our minds to, to Jesus as the center, that, that really everything does revolve around him, that, that all of our hope and our confidence uh, for life today and tomorrow is, is in him, and that we would trust fully in him. But how do we know? Have you ever asked, like, how do you know that you can trust God. Have you ever asked that question? In, uh, in middle school and high school, our, our youth group would go to camp every year. I loved camp. Like, camp was my, my jam, probably my favorite week of, of the year. Went to Camp Tejas outside of Giddings. Anyone else ever been there before? We got a couple. There we go. All right. Uh, it's, where, it's where the Lord saved me. I heard him speak to me like I've never before. It's where he called me into vocational ministry. I've got some of my best memories there, some of my fra- favorite times with friends there. Um, I love camp life. Uh, as part of the, the activities at camp, uh, during the day, our teams would go and do different ropes course activities. You know, the, the wall where you have to climb up and then help each other, you know, get over, or the get through these net rope thingies, or everybody stand on a, you know, a block this size and get your whole team up. Anybody, anybody ever done those ropes courses? Yeah, okay, cool. One of them was the trust fall. Anybody done the trust fall? I'm trying to see if there's, okay, cool. So if I brought you up here, y'all would catch me, right? We're like, let's go. Let's round it. Char- Thank you, Charlie. That's a solid nod. I appreciate it. I feel confident in you right now. So the trust fall is where you walk up on your, your platform, and, and you turn around, and your group, your team, is standing beneath you on the ground. They got their arms out, and, and you are to trust them and fall, hence the name trust fall, right? It's great. So you trust them. You fall backwards. They always tell you, right, like, cross your arms because you don't want this happening where you knock somebody unconscious, right? So you cross your arms, and then you can stand up there, and and, and now it it comes down to the decision, right? It comes down to trust. I can look at the people down here, and I can see Charlie, and I'm like, all right, man, Charlie's got me. He cares for me. Like, he's not going to drive me. I can see the crew, and I can believe them that they're going to catch me, and I, but then the point comes where I've got to actually trust them, and, and fall. I can believe all day long. I think, yeah, they'll catch me. But then there comes that point of trust, right? Right, where it's like, okay, I believe it. No, no, I know it. They're, they're sitting there. They're telling me. They got me, right? They're all lined up. Man, they can, if each person can carry 25 pounds and there's eight people here, I don't know, like, just go, like, they got me. I can do the math. I'm going to be okay. Um, but then there comes that point of trust, Right? Faith. Faith is, is belief that moves you to action. Right? Faith is a belief that moves you to action. So I can trust in them or I can trust in myself and walk back down and be like, all right, I'm safe going my way. <laughs> like, that has an element of risk. No thanks. I'll just walk back down the steps and, and do my own thing. But the question 
in there that everyone is facing when you do the trust fall, which we're going to do after service today. Everybody's going to line up, and we're going to, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Maybe a good idea. Um, you, you like it? Is that good? Liability? Insurance? Okay, never mind. Um, right? It, the question that you, you're going to face is, okay, can I trust what I'm falling into? Can I trust these, these people? That's the question. Can I trust them, or am I going to trust in myself and go my own way? So how do we know we can trust God? Right, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not in your own understanding. Right, so just that statement alone is, trust everything with God and remove your own logic and understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. How do we really know that God's going to make straight our paths? That if I just throw everything on him, that he's actually going to come through in my life in 2022 in Austin, Texas, over the billions of people in this world and that have, that have lived over the lifetime, how do I actually know that this God that I've never physically seen with my own eyes, I've never physically touched, how do I know that he's actually really truly going to come through in my life? Anyone else ever had those questions besides me, oh, in the last week? I, I have asked that question more since becoming a pastor than any time in my life before that, which I'm like, God, that doesn't make sense. Like, I feel like I should have this figured out before I step into this role, but, but now it's like pff, the questions are just, what promises do you hold on to in Scripture? What promises of God do you remember as a kid growing up or that you hold on to today that you're like, okay, this is what God says? I remember growing up, uh, my mom would always tell me, I don't know that she quoted the whole verse, but it comes from Deuteronomy 31. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. My mom would tell me that all the time. God promises he'll never leave you or forsake you. I had a stretch where I was, I was afraid of, I guess I was afraid of the dark, right? I didn't want to sleep in my room by myself. And I was like, Corey, you are in the ninth grade now, man. You got to figure this out. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It was seventh. Um, you know, but it's like, I, I did. I had this stretch where I was afraid. My mom would always tell me, God has told you he's never going to leave you or forsake you. You are not alone. I don't even know what the word forsake meant, but I was like, all right. God is with me, right? I, I held on to that. I was to repeat that back to myself. Don't be afraid, Corey. God will never leave you. You are not alone. No one else ever quoted that promise in times of fear. You're like, no, 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 no. God is with me. In this uncertainty, I may be alone from everybody else, but God's with me. What other promises have you held on to? Any promises of scripture that, that come to mind right now for you? Which one? What does that one say? Yeah, that's right. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Anyone ever said that one before? Man, life is a valley of death and shadows around me. But I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Any other promises come to mind that you hold on to? 
He will lead me and he will guide me. Yeah. The Lord is a, the, the, the word is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path, right? He is going to lead me and guide me. I may not know what tomorrow looks like, but, but he does. And he is going to lead me or guide me. Anybody else, any promises coming to mind? You remember growing up or you know now? You will not give me more than I can handle. You will not let me be tempted beyond what he will empower me to walk through. There's a temptation going on around me, and it may seem insurmountable. The promise of God is that he will not let me be tempted beyond what I can handle. He will give me his strength by his spirit to, to walk through that in obedience. Anything else? Say it again. Yeah, yeah. God exalts the humble, opposes the proud. Right, that when we humble ourselves, we can be certain that God is seeing us and he's ex- he will exalt us. May not be today, may not be tomorrow, but he will exalt us. He will exalt the humble. Maybe Romans 8, that God's working all things for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Anyone ever been in a, a down time and you're like, okay, okay, this is terrible, but God tells me he's working good through this. Right? God promises that there's a good on the other side of this. Maybe Psalm 46. The Lord is a, my refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Maybe Philippians 4. That we don't have to be worry about tomorrow because God will provide for all of our needs according to his riches in glory. We don't have to be anxious about tomorrow. Don't fear if God sees the sparrows and takes care of them. He's, how much more value are you? He's going to take care of you. Maybe it's Revelation 21. You're, you're holding to that promise that, that one day Jesus is going to return and that he's going to wipe away every tear and every sorrow and every sickness and he's going to, to rebuild and make right everything that's wrong. Have you ever said any of those, those promises to yourself? But how do we know they're true? How do we know they're any different than any other positive thinking mantra that somebody lives their life by? I'm enough. I mean, there are people who have gotten through life just by telling themselves over and over and over again, I'm enough. You miss 100% of the shots you never take. Wayne Gretzky and Michael Scott. Right? How do we know that, that these promises of Scripture that we, man, we hold on to and that give us this hope that they're any different than these philosophical, positive ways of thinking that just you know, give us the courage to take that step? How do we know that we can throw our lives in full surrender on God? I know God is able to do all things. But how do I know that he will? How do I know that he actually will reach down into my life and and do what is best for me? How do I know that if I actually obey his word, everything's not just going to crumble and fall apart and be worse? 
how do I know that man, maybe not in this life, but in, in some life, he is going to exalt the humble? How do we know that? How do we know that when we trust and fall, God is going to catch us? And it's not just our own strength and our own wit and our own skill and our own intellect. It's not just us positively, you know, thinking our way through it. How do we know? Look, at some point, faith is required. At some point, we're just going to have to trust and believe that what you're looking at is true, and we're going to have to trust him. And let me just say, faith is also required to not trust Jesus. So if we're like, I don't know that I can trust him, okay, we're putting our trust in something. Faith is required in something. So how do we know that we can trust in the word of God today? The answer is we, we see Jesus. We, we look to Jesus. The historical, physical man, Jesus, who, came, who lived on this earth. The man, Jesus, who historically, without question, was crucified by the Romans. The man, Jesus, whom no one has ever come up with a body, but there's an empty tomb. The man, Jesus, that over 500 witnesses saw him after he rose from the dead. We look to Jesus as our confidence and hope in the word of God. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. I've just been thinking about this this week. It says, all the promises of God find their yes in him. This is why it is through him that we utter our, our amen our agreement with God is because of Jesus. All the promises of God. I did a deep dive into the Greek word all, and it still just means all, every. Each promise of God finds its yes in Jesus. Easter weekend is the Megaphone, the banner screaming yes to every promise God has ever given us. Does God actually, really, truly love me? Yes. How do you know? See Jesus. Is God actually for me? Yes. How do you know? Look at Jesus. Is God actually with me in this moment? The answer is yes. How do I know? Look at Jesus. Is God really working good even in the worst parts of my life? Yes. Look at Jesus. Has God really forgiven me of all of my sins? Yes. Look at Jesus. Is there really eternal life for me and for you and for anyone who puts their faith in God? Yes. Look at Jesus. Can I really trust him? Yes. The answer is look at Jesus. The life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus is the yes for every promise that God has made to us. Every single promise, God says, yes, you can trust it. Jesus is the evidence and proof. The life of Jesus is the yes to God's promise that he understands us, that he sympathizes with us, that he, he gets our struggles and our weakness. 
in Hebrews chapter 4. It says that Jesus is our high priest. And that we don't have a high priest that can't understand what we're going through, that can't sympathize with us. But in Jesus, we have a high priest who in who is able to sympathize with our weakness, and one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. Therefore, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The promise of of the Bible is that God understands. When we feel alone and that nobody gets it, God understands. When we feel betrayed and we feel isolated and we're like, man, no one gets me. God's like, oh, I get you. How do we know? We look to Jesus, who was betrayed and isolated. When he was crucified, everyone left him. He understands betrayal. Right? When we're like, man, there's so much temptation, I don't think I can overcome it. How do we know that we can overcome? How do we know that we're going to have the strength to? We look to Jesus, who's overcome the temptation of all sins, and then gives us his power to do likewise. We look to Jesus in his life to know that he gets us that he walked on this earth. He didn't stay in heaven and be distant from us, but he came and he lived among us as one of us. Emmanuel, God with us. He walked in our shoes. He lived in our world. He dealt with difficult people. He understands how do we know we look to the life of Jesus. The Bible says that God is pleased with us. That, that he sees us as righteous. How do we know that? We look to the righteous life of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says that God made him, Jesus, who, who knew no sin, he was sinless. God made him to be our sins so that we may become the righteousness of God. Right, that, that in the righteous life of Jesus, the perfect life of Jesus, Jesus lived that perfect life so that he could give us that right standing with God, that credit with God. That when Jesus was baptized, it says the voice of, of heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And so when we trust in Jesus, the Bible says that his credit is given to us. So we look to the righteous life of Jesus and we say, man, if God is pleased with Jesus, then God is pleased with me because his righteousness is on me. And so we can know that God is pleased with us, not based on what we do or don't do, but based on the righteous life of Jesus. The death of Jesus is the yes to God's promise that he really loves us. We all want to be loved. We all want to be seen and known and and pursued nonetheless in spite of our flaws and our weaknesses. You want to know when someone really loves you is when you've hit rock bottom and they're still by your side, pursuing your good, looking out for your best, caring for you. Romans 5, 8 tells us how we can know that God loves us. We look to Jesus and says that God demonstrates his love in that while we were still sinners, that's when Christ came and died for us. How do you know someone really loves you? Is when you totally screw it and they're still there for you. You totally drop the ball. They're still there walking with you. 
And God says, that's how we know that he loves us because while we blew it with him, Jesus came and died for our sins. That's how we know. We look at the death of Jesus. The death of Jesus is the, the promise that, that, that God says, yes, he is working good in all things. Right? You, look at, you look at the Messiah, the King Jesus, he's come, and, and how in the world can it be good that he's crucified? Or how can it be good that, that Jesus would willingly give up his life to be nailed on a cross by the Romans? None of the disciples thought that was good. That's why they took off. Because their hope was crushed. How can this possibly be good that their Messiah, their King, hung lifeless on a cross? But God says it's by his stripes that we are healed. By his wounds that, that our punishment is paid for. That the greatest good that we need, which is the forgiveness of our sins against God, was placed on the cross of Jesus. It's by his death, through the worst possible scenario, that God works the greatest possible good. And so we look to the death of Jesus, and that is our assurance that God does work good through what is broken and wrong. And he redeems it and leverages it for good. That's our assurance and our promise. His promise is, yes, he is going to work good. And we look to the death of Jesus. How can we be sure that, that God is for us? Right, that God is for you. Don't think about everyone else for a second. Don't think about anyone else in this room or anyone else you know. Just think about me, you. God, are you for me? How do we know that God is for us? Romans 8, some of my favorite verses. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? How do we know God is for us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? How do you know that God is for you? Like really know if you wouldn't hold his son back, but gave his son for us? How could we doubt that he won't give us everything else we need? If he's already gave us the greatest gift, why would there be a doubt that he's going to give us everything else? He's already demonstrated that he's for us. We don't have to doubt or question. The death of Jesus is the yes to the promise of God that he is for you. How do you know God loves you? How do you know he's working good? How do you know he's for you? You look to the cross of Christ, and that tells you that God is for me, and he loves me, and he loves you. It's in the cross of Christ that our sins are paid in full. It's the resurrection of Jesus that is God's promise, his yes to the promise of eternal life. We all hope to live eternally with God. How do we know? How do we know that, that there's life eternal? We look in the resurrection of Jesus. Romans chapter six, verse four. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, 
we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We all, man, go to any funeral, and everyone at a funeral believes in eternal life at that point. We all have hope for eternal life. We all have hope for a, a new life in heaven. How do we know that it's not just a myth? How do we know that it's not just a figment of our imagination? We look to the fact that there's an empty tomb, that Jesus was dead, but he's no longer dead. And if Jesus is alive, that means you and I can be alive after death. That means even though this physical body dies, our spirit can live forever with him. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is our confidence and our assurance that there is eternal life after this. It's not just an empty, wishful thought. If Jesus is still in the dead or in the grave, we got nothing. All right. Then we got nothing. It's just positive thinking. But the fact that Jesus is alive tells us that there is eternal life after this one. And it's found in the one who lives eternally. The resurrection of Jesus is the promise of God. It's the yes of God that freedom is truly ours to be had. Galatians says it is for freedom that Christ made you free. Colossians 2, it says that, that God has saved us from the power of sin and death. It says in verse 13, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, but God has made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That God made us alive together with the living Jesus and in the resurrection of Jesus where he triumphed over sin and darkness and death that with him we are made alive to the same power of Jesus. That eternal life, listen, is not just for one day when we die but eternal life begins now when we trust in Christ. That the power of death and sin, it doesn't have a power over us anymore. We don't have to sin. We don't have to live in darkness we don't have to live in hopelessness. Why? Because Jesus is the living hope. Because his resurrection says that he's crushed the power of sin and darkness. That's how we know that freedom truly is ours to be had. And it's not just from, by some positive thinking, willing my way to happiness. It's found in the life of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus is the yes of God that freedom truly is ours to be had. If Jesus is still dead, best of luck to you. We're on our own. But since Jesus is alive, we can be confident that death is defeated. The ascension of Jesus is God's yes to the promise that his presence is with us. Jesus says in John 14, verse 15 to 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The promise of God is that his presence is with us, literally with us, by his spirit. 
But we only receive the Spirit because Jesus ascends back to heaven and sends us his Spirit. In the ascension of Jesus, the return of Jesus to heaven, we have the yes that God will send us his Spirit to be in us, to be with us. That we can know, literally know the presence of God. That, that this is more than just singing a song, or it's more than an emotional appeal, but actually the living God dwells in us. That is what Jesus said. And it's in his ascension, in his resurrection and ascending to heaven that we can say, okay, is this for real? Yes, because Jesus ascended to heaven and that's when he promised that he would send us his spirit. That's how we know that the spirit of God is real and that he will give us his spirit because he ascended into heaven to send his spirit. It's also in John 14, up in verse 2 that we're told the promise of God that he's preparing a home for us is a yes in Jesus. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. The promise of eternal life in a new heaven and a new earth is a resounding yes because Jesus rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven to do exactly what he told us he would do in John 14, verse 2 and 3, to prepare a place for us. That right now, Jesus is preparing a home for me and for you and anyone who has faith in him. And we can be confident of that promise because Jesus is still is not dead. He's alive and because he ascended to heaven just like he said he would to prepare a home for us. See, every promise that is made in Scripture, I will never leave you or forsake you. How do I know? Because Jesus has ascended to heaven to send me his spirit to dwell in me. That's how I know he'll never leave me or forsake me because his spirit is in me. That God, he, he's preparing a future for us. And he's working good. How do I know? Because God has demonstrated through Jesus that he takes even the worst situations of this world and redeems it for good. And he brings life through death, light through darkness. The darkness cannot overcome. Every single promise of Scripture finds its yes in the life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. So when we take these promises and we, we're questioning and we're doubting, how do we know we look to Jesus and we can find confidence in those promises because Jesus really came and lived the perfect life, the life that you and I should have lived so that he could make us righteous. Jesus really died a substitutionary death a death in my place, in your place, so that our sins could be nailed to him. So that we could really be forgiven. Jesus really rose from the dead. So that death and sin and darkness can be defeated. So it has no power over our lives by faith in him. And he really ascended to heaven. So that you and I can enjoy eternal life there and today. By the presence of his spirit in us. Every single promise of God finds its yes in Jesus. That's how we can trust him.
Now the question is still going to be, you can stand on the edge and you can look and you can see the evidence, you can see the life of Jesus, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. You can even believe it to be true, but will you trust him? Trust happens when our belief moves us to full surrender. That I so believe Jesus to be true that I will surrender and I will fall into him. I will not lean on my own understanding and go my own way. That's what it means to repent. That moment of repentance. Am I going to trust Jesus and fall into him? Or am I going to trust in myself and walk down the steps and go life my own way? When we trust him, his promise, his promise is that yes, he will forgive your sins. Yes, he will make you righteous. And yes, he will give you eternal life that begins today and only increases for all of eternity. That's his promise. Have you trusted him? Like, have you really trusted him? Do you believe his word? Are you willing to surrender to him? He promises life. And if you have trusted Christ, which I suspect many have, have you forgotten God? Have you, have you just taken your eyes off the promise of Jesus to where you're now trying to live life by your own strength again? Have you forgotten that he, he is going to give you everything you need to overcome every temptation? Have you forgotten that? Have you forgotten that he is going to exalt the humble? Because that's what he tells us. Have we just forgotten God? Have we forgotten that his way is the way of abundant life? Anything outside of his way is a way of steal, kill, and destroy, death, and destruction goes away from him. Have we just forgotten have we forgotten that God is more than just a religious idea? He's more than just a tradition. He's more than just positive thinking, but he is a living, real being who walked on this earth and lived on this earth and has sent his spirit to live in us until we are united with him in eternity. Have we just forgotten all of that? Have we forgotten that in faith we give our allegiance to him? That I don't serve two masters. I don't serve Jesus as king and myself as king. You can't serve two masters, it's one or the other. Have we just forgotten God? Easter is a time to remember what God has done for us in Jesus and that every single promise he has given to us is sure because of Jesus. And so may we remember the promises of God. And may we trust him and lean not on our own understanding, but in every single way. Acknowledge him, think on him, set our lives towards him, and he promises he will make our path straight. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.